So our theme this month is mercy. And normally we explore it in worship the first Sunday in the month, but last month, Easter preempted the first Sunday, so we waited. And this month, I'm bumping it again. So later in the month, we can talk about mercy. Instead, I wanted to talk about the upcoming annual meeting in two weeks on May 17th. And one of the items on the meeting is whether to call me as your minister. Okay, maybe this sermon is about mercy. <laughs> I, maybe so. But uh, the annual meeting is really extremely unique to our congregational form of church. It includes a vote about Hope's future. I've said it before, we don't have bishops, we don't have episcopacies, we don't have popes, we don't have elders, well, we have elders, we love you elders. (laughs) We don't have formal elders that make decisions about the church. The church makes its own decisions and elects its own people to run the board. Um, So I want us to acknowledge its importance. Uh, Instead of all those other forms of decision-making, or instead of a democratic process, our church, to find a new minister, could have followed the directions of this letter that goes, the result of a congregational questionnaire has determined the perfect minister for our congregation. She will preach exactly 15 minutes. He condemns sin, but never upsets anyone. She works from 8 a.m. to midnight and is also the janitor. (laughs) He makes $300 a week, wears good clothes, buys good books, drives a good car, and gives $300 a week to those in need. She is 28 years of age and has been preaching 30 years. (laughs) He has a burning desire to work with youth and spends all of his time with the elders. Our new minister will smile all the time with a straight face (laughs) because she has a sense of humor that keeps her seriously dedicated to her work. He makes 15 calls daily on parish families, shut-ins, and hospitalized. She spends all her time evangelizing the unchurched and is always in her office when needed. If your minister doesn't measure up, simply send this letter to six other congregations that are tired of their ministers too. (laughs) Then bundle up your minister and send him to the church at the top of the list. (laughs) In one week, you will receive 1,643 ministers and one of them should be perfect. 
have faith in this letter. One church broke the chain and got its old pastor back in less than three months. We could do that. Uh, I'm sure there's twine and tape in back by Maggie's desk, right? But to keep hope from having thousands of minister candidates coming via FedEx, a transition committee headed by Co. McGinley has been working since winter to guide the democratic process to call a minister. And their work may seem redundant since I'm already here, standing in front of you, preaching, 14 and a half minutes is what I'll do. Um, I'm considered an inside candidate, which means at this moment, the church chooses not to open its search up to other candidates unless the vote's unsuccessful. Then you can, if you vote not to call me, you can go into a formal search process and find the right ministerial candidate. So to prepare for this critical vote, the transition committee has been laying important groundwork. They've sought the guidance of many others, of the board, of the Committee on Ministry, and a settlement representative from the Unitarian Universalist Association. And what the transition team has allowed has allowed for is time. Time for us to get to know each other one-on-one. Time for us to talk. Time for us to consider a longer future. Time to ask questions. And of course, time to have a little fun. Based on conversations and surveys, the transition committee has been gathering information about the congregation, as well as the type of minister you say can best serve Hope Church. The description they compiled, I think, is important, because it's what they say, you say, you want. And I think it's important to hear it. And just so you know, there are about 50 of these. We can print more if everyone wants one, but it's a, a, a collection of... Do you remember some of you gathered in the sanctuary here and talked about what, what's important to the church, what's important? They've compiled that information and others. So here's what they say. Hope seeks a minister who is creative, articulate, energetic, compassionate, and possesses humility is skilled in giving guidance to individuals and larger groups, is skilled at conflict resolution and in meeting challenges, who sets the tone for our beloved community, modeling respect and good human relations, and who challenges and motivates us. We believe the minister should be a leader in the spiritual growth of the congregation, based upon his or her deep knowledge of life's major experiences. We seek an effective collaborator with the board 
staff, and committees. We want a minister who stimulates growth of Hope Church and new members' involvement in it. We feel a balance of the minister's attention to the needs of the congregation and to social activism with the larger community is important. We want a minister who delivers intellectually engaging, inspiring sermons. No comment. Is committed to the ongoing, well, 15 minutes. Is committed to the ongoing well-being of hope. Supports lifespan religious education. Important, too, is encouragement and support for the children's religious education program. He, she, is always welcome to attend HOPE committees in the spirit of collaboration, that word again, but allows various committees and organizations in the church independence. Humor is valued. And much exhibited behavior in facing challenges at HOPE. We are quite serious about our undertakings. At the same time, want to be sure we take ourselves lightly enough. It goes on. You can read it. And the list, it's lengthy, and it can sound a little bit like that chain letter. Everything and the kitchen sink. But what I hear in this description is really an accurate depiction of the life-encompassing work Hope Church does already and plans to do more. And I find its breadth of vision exciting and heartening. The congregation is concerned with expanding intellectual and philosophical and spiritual intelligences for all ages. This enrichment happens both within these walls and outside in the city and in the world. And the other thing I read in it was that word collaboration. It shows up more than once. The word is a a healthy ingredient for leadership of any kind. And in choosing a minister, you're not abdicating your own leadership. You are not abdicating your own leadership. You're describing how the minister serves at your pleasure, and the relationship with the minister is a mutually beneficial power dynamic, and not a one-way street. Okay, I breathe a sigh of relief for some of the things that are not in that description. I did not read the words young, Nor did I read the word svelte. (laughs) It's just not there. Also missing are any statements of theology or singular points of view. And that lacuna interests me. When I first came to Hope two summers ago, I splashed into a roiling sea of conversations about the nature of church. Some wondered if hope should even call itself a church. They suggested fellowship, maybe, or assembly. Church sounded too churchy. 
Exactly. Too churchy, too Christian, too God-centered. And those religious concerns didn't show up in this current description of Hope's minister. (coughs) Excuse me. These important theological conversations haven't ended, nor should they. But what I read, or what I read and experience now, is a congregation comfortable with itself and with allowing an array of beliefs. It comes with the territory of being a place where we all seek truth and love. I no longer sense that fear and anger and hurt that came with the urge to circle the wagons and shoot on sight anyone who disagreed. The church is a more welcoming place. The conversations are more honest, and have increasingly more depth. So this palpable change in the ethos of Hope Church brings me back to the matters of time. Calling a minister and being called are a communal project project to spend a long period of time together. It takes time to live within our covenant. It takes time to live out our promises. As it's been said, we are promise-making, promise-breaking, promise-remaking creatures. Only with enough days and months and years can we go through life cycles and witness how we've all changed from our commitments to be a church together, despite making mistakes, getting hurt, getting furious even, taking a breather, talking to each other, re-examining the situation and ourselves to hopefully find new common ground, we have the essential spans of months and years it takes for that to happen. It takes that long to better ourselves and better the world. I I honestly don't know if that grand arc of history bends toward justice, as the Unitarian minister who first coined that phrase said confidently. Three years before the Civil War began, Theodore Parker spoke at the Massachusetts anti-slavery convention and optimistically despite the entrenched unjust system of slavery in our country said I do not pretend to understand the moral universe the arc is long my eye reaches but a little way I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by the experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. And from what I see, I am sure it bends toward justice. Thank God he was right at that moment. And 100 years later, leading the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King borrowed Parker's phrase to push hard for what's right and wrong, equal treatment of all. King said... 
the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. I minister in a more cynical and modern age, and I can't say with certainty the trajectory of history or human nature, whether it improves. I don't share that macro view, but I confidently can say in the micro view, change is absolutely possible. I have seen it. When I confine my view to individuals and a visible period of time, the arc absolutely bends toward justice. I believe people change. I believe people can change. And the reason I know people can change is because I have changed. Being here at Hope for two years has touched me deeply. I've been shaped by your love, your comments, and your constructive criticisms. I'm moved by your enthusiasm and your honesty, your jokes, even the bad ones, <laughs> your intellectual rigor and your music and your artistry, your generosity, compassion, forgiveness, your willingness to listen and to teach. I could make a similar bucket list of what I'm looking for in a congregation, like the one that the transition committee wrote. But I think they summed it up in, and I'll take that sentence, we are quite serious about our undertakings. And at the same time, we want to make sure we take ourselves lightly enough. That really sums up what I think I'm looking for that's essential to be fruitful and joyous in future time together. It can be very hard, very hard work recreating week after week, year after year, a welcoming, loving, and justice-seeking community. Discipline and humor are required. So I ask to be called in two weeks because I want to see the new heights we can reach in the next two years and the next. And I want to have that luxury of time together, free from that any anxiety to accomplish our good work within some artificial frame of time. I want untold multiples of 525,600 minutes to accomplish what we can together. I know the seasons of love, the seasons of Mother Earth, the seasons of creation and loss and recreation will shape us together. May it be so.